You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It's because of poverty. That's the reason why I rob. That's the, that's the reason why I uh, steal. Then others blame evil on our educational systems. Listen, I am the way that I am because I haven't had the advantages of an education that other people have had. But the truth of the matter is we've concentrated on those uh, areas and have improved the quality of man's life, and yet men haven't changed. There are many ways we could improve our society and make it more fair and better overall. We're fortunate to have things as good as we do, but we still have a lot of problems to sort through. The thing is, as long as sin reigns in the hearts of men, these problems will persist. Man may come up with short-term solutions for them, but this is just the nature of living in this fallen world. Today, Pastor Mike will remind us that only when sin and the devil are completely vanquished will we experience peace. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, as he begins his message, The Millennial Kingdom. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw an angel, that would be John. John saw an angel in this vision, coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And that kind of seems curious. God is going to bind Satan for a period of thousand years, and at the conclusion of the thousand years, he's going to free him, release him? Why is that? Well, listen, you're going to have to come back next week uh, to find out the answer to that question. So I hope that's the hook that, draw you, that will draw you in. But then in verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ, for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, that would be non-Christians, did not live again 
until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay, before we break down this text of scripture for you, let's talk a little bit about the thousand year reign of Christ, which is known as the millennial uh, kingdom. First of all, I want you to know that Jesus gave us the time frame when he would come back again to establish his kingdom upon the earth. I would, uh, as a cross-reference, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 24, in verses 29 and 30. So this is Jesus referring to this event that is his second coming, is establishing this kingdom uh, upon the, the earth. And there we read, notice, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be uh, darkened. He's referring to the seven years of tribulation. And the moon will not give its light. Remember the result of some of the cataclysmic judgments that we were talking about in chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation? The stars will fall from heaven, also depicted in those chapters 17 and 18, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so when will this event take place? Upon Christ's second coming, and at the end of the seven years of tribulation. That's when we will enter into that period known as the millennial uh, kingdom, when God will rule in the person of Jesus Christ. And you know, there are so many portions of Scripture that uh, refer to this uh, event. Let me share a couple of them with you. The fulfillment of uh, the prophecy, uh, first of all, is recorded for us in the second psalm, in verses 6 and then 8 and 9. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. This is God referring to his son, Jesus Christ. He is the king. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Again, this is a reference to the millennial kingdom. And the ends of the earth for your uh, possession. And then in verse 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Also, another cross-reference referring to this event in the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 23, in verse 5. And there we are told, Behold, the day is coming, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Now, the seat of God's rule in the earth will be there in the city of uh, Jerusalem. Now, we've talked about this before. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. And by the way, I'm going to give you a lot of cross-references out of the book of Isaiah. So if you turn there with me, and then just put a marker there, because I'm going to go back to uh, the book of Isaiah uh, several times, the first of which is found in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And we are told there, now it shall come to pass in the latter days, or in the last days, we're talking about this event, the millennial kingdom, 
that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. This is where Jesus is going to set up uh, his throne. He's going to rule out of uh, Jerusalem or in the, the mountains that surround the city of Jerusalem. And many people shall come and say, during the millennial kingdom, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. How cool is that? You know, how many times uh, you know, have you thought about if there was a period of uh, time in history that you would have loved to have lived, you would probably have responded, of course, during the time when Jesus was upon the earth. You know, to be there with the disciples, the apostles, and, and uh, you know, just participate in some of his teachings, to see some of the miracles that he had performed. Well, listen, you haven't missed out on anything. And this is what we can look forward to in that day. You know, you have any questions about the way that we are to live our lives or any difficulties or problems, where you can actually go up to the, the place where Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and ask those questions, and he will respond to them. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, or out of Jerusalem, shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from uh, Jerusalem. So the seed of God's rule in the earth will be from the city of Jerusalem. And the conditions upon the earth during the millennial uh, kingdom will be absolutely ideal. During this period of a thousand years, there'll be peace among men. And uh, the book of Isaiah testifies to that in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Once again, and he shall judge between the nations, rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. The idea here is that there's going to be peace among men during this millennial kingdom for a period of a thousand years. We've never experienced anything like this. There's always been wars, right from the very beginning of the history of mankind, right? But that's not going to uh, happen during the thousand-year reign of Christ. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Let me give you another cross-reference from the book of Isaiah in chapter 54, in verses 13 and 14. Again, describing the conditions that will exist upon the earth during the thousand-year reign of Christ. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. I mean, every day we live under the, the fear of a war taking place, conflicts taking place, in our streets right here in New York City, right? But that's not going to happen during this period of time, because there will be peace among our men. But then also there'll be peace in the animal kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 7 through 9, the cow and the bear shall graze together. I mean, think about it. Put a cow alongside of a bear today, the bear would, you know, jump on the cow and eat him, right? Uh, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the, uh, like the ox. In other words, he, he won't eat flesh. He won't kill uh, any other uh, animals for uh, his uh, food. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, 
and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's uh, den. So, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters uh, cover the uh, earth. And so not only will there be peace among men, but there will also be peace in the animal uh, kingdom. But then all of creation at this time, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, will be delivered from the curse of the uh, fall, that is the the sin of Adam and uh, Eve. Even the ground, in Isaiah chapter 35, in verses 1 and 2, concerning the earth, We are told the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our uh, God. Now this is significant in light of, remember, Uh, because of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden uh, of Eden, remember God pronounced a judgment upon the uh, the earth. And for example, in the the book of Genesis, as a cross-reference for this, let me me share that with you. In Genesis chapter 3, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God pronounced this curse. He says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it, all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. So even in this day, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, the curse shall be removed from the uh, earth. So these are the conditions that I've just described for you upon the earth that will take place during the millennial kingdom, during the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, all of the events so far in this book of the Bible, have been what we refer to as uh, pre-millennial. That is, they occur before Christ's return. But during this period, God shall bring to pass certain of his plans and purposes, and then after the thousand-year reign of Christ, the, uh, the millennial kingdom will merge into the eternal state. Okay? So from that point uh, on, there'll no longer be any time continuum. There'll only be the eternal uh, now. Okay, so those are just some of the things that I wanted to pass along to you, things I think that you needed to know as far as it relates to the millennial uh, kingdom. Now, this chapter has five major emphasis uh, here in chapter uh, 20. There are five different events that are Uh, depicted. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down because they'll help you to understand what chapter 20 is all about. The first of which is, and and all of these five events that are depicted here for us actually divide this chapter uh, for us. The first of which is the removal of Satan. Then secondly, the reign of the saints. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk about the return of Satan at the conclusion of the thousand-year a reign of Christ, the result, uh, the revolt of society, and then the resurrection of uh, sinners. So those are the five different events that are depicted for us here in this one chapter in the book of Revelation in chapter 20. Okay, so let's take them then in their order 
one at a time. We're all, again, we're only going to talk about two of those events of this morning. The first of which is, as I've already suggested, the removal of Satan. Okay, let's go back to our text. And once again, let's read verses one through three. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Okay, I want you to think about this now. In these verses, we have God's final answer to the puny excuses of men as to the cause of all of the evil that exists in our world today that's resulted in all of man's suffering. For example, sociologists insist that the environment is the cause of man's moral ills. It's because of poverty. And it's because of poverty, that's the reason why I rob. That's the, that's the reason why I uh, steal. Then others blame evil on our educational systems. Listen, I am the way that I am because I haven't had the advantages of an education that other people have had. But the truth of the matter is we've concentrated on those uh, areas and have improved the quality of man's life, and yet men haven't changed. The world is growing increasingly uh, worse and will continue uh, to do so, just as was predicted in the scriptures. For example, in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, 7. But know this, that in the last days, folks, we're living in those last days, perilous times will come. I think we're really getting a little taste of that even right now, with all of the rioting and all of the, the murdering that's taking place uh, across our United States. I, I think we're getting a little taste of that right now. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, verse 3, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For all of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the uh, truth. And then in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse deceiving, and being deceived. So folks, there it is. That's the last day's uh, scenario. So all of these things that people suggest have contributed to all of the uh, situations, all of the problems, all of man's uh, ills, all of the problems 
that they have suggested really isn't the source of the main problem. The problem is the devil, his handiwork, and man's sin. Listen, think about it. From the very beginning of man's history, the devil has been the personal enemy of God and man. Between the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation, there are repeated references to his nature and his practices. And there he is referred to as a murderer, a liar, a deceiver, and tempter. Those are just some of the many uh, descriptions that are used to describe who the devil is. This foe of God and man is the great power behind this whole anti-Christian system. He is, in the, he is the one who is in control of the Antichrist, the false prophet, as we've already seen in our past studies. Uh, he is the one who is also in control of Babylon, the great whore, uh, chapters 17 and 18, those commercial and religious systems that we've talked about in our previous studies, and by whose instigation wars are undertaken. He is the problem. He's behind all of these things. So anyway, in order that righteousness and peace might rule upon the earth, this evil one must go, that is, before Christ comes back again and establishes his millennial kingdom upon the earth. So listen, the truth is, the answer for man's ills is not social or economic reform. Now, God sends an angel. Notice, let's go back to our text there in verse 1. From heaven to bind Satan. And notice also, he is helpless before this powerful creation of God. And this angel gets hold of the devil and casts him into the bottomless pit, that place of incarceration. And also notice there in verse 1, this chain that binds the devil, and we're not sure of its makeup, we're not sure of its material, but whatever it is, it is of God's making, and it is capable of binding a spirit. And thus the devil is rendered a helpless prisoner. You know, something else that I wanted to draw your attention to, and I think that this is significant. You know, I think the angel coming down from heaven is a dramatic declaration by God that Satan is not his opposite, is not his equal, and that God could easily stop the devil's activity at any time. But nevertheless, God allows him to continue because even in his evil doing, he indirectly serves the purposes of God. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my the book of Revelation is filled with symbols and numbers and pictures that seem beyond comprehension. Yet each one has a purpose and meaning. This book takes you into the end of the world, a time when Jesus will return to redeem the earth and rid it once and for all of evil. It's a time that may be sooner than you think. 
And that's why we're so glad you joined us today to study this important final book of the Bible on In My Father's House. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this series in Revelation, or if you want to explore Pastor Mike's studies in the other books of the Bible, just visit harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified each time we post a new edition of the show. We want to meet you too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you. You are a valued listener, and we're grateful to have you tuned in to learn about the love of God from the pages of Scripture. With that, our time with you is coming to an end. Join us next time for another edition of In My Father's House. There's a place for